Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 417 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by a former heavyweight world title challenger, the main man himself, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing great, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. I'm going to dive straight into the review part of the show. Uh, there was a few cards to mention. We're going to start last Friday. It was live on BT Sport at the York Hall Bethnal Green, the mecca of UK boxing. A uh, few fights to mention on the card. Carol Itauma, I did say I'd be surprised if he walked through his opponent here. And yeah, he didn't walk through him. He went the distance. He won an eighth round, um, well, a points win over eight rounds. He's now 11-1, and one, a points win there against Dimitro Fedas, who's now 8-4 and four with two draws. Chris Falk with another decent win, a TKO in round four against Adam Mbega, who's now 11-4 and four with a draw. Chris Falk 13-1, and one, Mbega down from a body shot prior to the stoppage. Um... We saw Carl Fowl move to 10-0, and 0, a points win over eight rounds. I did say that I think this is going to happen. I said I think it's free money. He was taking on a very, very tough Angel Emelov, who's now 11-53 and 53 with three draws. Only been stopped twice in 52, or 53 losses now. Uh, Joshua Frankham, 8-0, got in there with George Davey, 8-0 with a draw, it was over 8 rounds, 8-8-8 there, um, Frankham down once in round 6, which was a little bit uh, unexpected, I guess, um, yeah, you know, it's a good, a really good fight, actually, between two undefeated hungry fighters, um, I was I was happy to see a lot of good sportsmanship after the fight, there was a lot of beef at the weigh-in that seemed to kind of come out of nowhere, Um yeah, I didn't really like some of the stuff that Franken was saying at the weigh-in, actually. But, um, yeah, you know, um, it's, it's a good learning fight for him. Um, I'd say, yeah, he, he he won the fight fair and square. And, yeah, George Davey put in a good account of himself. I think it's one of those kind of fights where sometimes you see two guys 8-0 and get in with each other and you wonder, like, there's no belt on the line. What's really the point of this fight here? You know, they're risking a lot here. One of them is going to lose their O, but I don't think he lost in bad fashion. I think George Davies still has a place domestically on the scene at Super Welter. And um, all the best to him and his comeback. All the best to Joshua Frankham going forward. Moving up the card once again, Masood Abdullah moved to 9-0. and He was able to beat... Uh, Mark Leach, who was in the away corner but was the actual betting favourite, he's now 18-3 and three with a draw, a 7th round retirement there, Mark Leach didn't come out for round 8, so yeah, Abdullah upset the odds, um, Leach def- Leach's defence I think was letting him down, um, it was a competitive fight while it lasted, but yeah, Abdullah did get to him in the end, and um Beat the fight out of Leach, really. I mean, the first few rounds, Abdullah started quite fast. Um, I think that was a little bit unexpected. And, yeah, that was pretty much the story of the fight, really. He started fast. Um, and, and, yeah, you know, he, he went on to improve. And and a great win, actually, there against Mark Leach. A hell of a lot of people thought he'd win. Um, Ellis Zorro on the card as well. He's now 17-0. He was able to beat unanimously over 10 rounds. Luca Diortenzi, who's now 17-4. That one was for the WBO European Cruiserweight title. A um, couple sticky moments, I think, for Ellis Zorro. But it was a test that he's come through. Um, again, I think it's another good learning fight for him, a good win. The Italian fighter was hungry in the other corner, obviously, um, you know, came to win for sure. And, um, yeah, it's another, it's another, it's another good win there for Ellis Zorro. Um, again, I, I, I'm quite a fan of Ellis Zorro. I really like the way that he's being moved. Um, some good wins already. 
And yeah, 17-0 and now. I think it's time for a big fight in the very near future for him. Uh, moving now to the Grand Central Hall in Liverpool, Merseyside, United Kingdom. Over here, friend of the show, Bradley Ray, moved to 15-1. and It was a points win over six rounds against Sergei Senzov, who's now 4-17. and uh, Great stuff there for Bradley Ray. Um, also, we should mention at the Park Community Arena in Sheffield, Yorkshire, United Kingdom, over here, Liam Cameron returned to the ring after five and a half years out of it. He's now 21-5, and five, a six-round points decision. Um, yeah, points points victory over six rounds against Robbie Connor, who's now 2-3 and three with two draws. Good to have Liam Cameron back on the scene, former Commonwealth champion. Moving now to the Sheffield Arena in Sheffield, Yorkshire. This one was live on DAZN. Uh, let's start with the undercard. A good win for Junaid Bostan, now 7-0. A TKO for him in round 6 against Corey McCulloch, now 7-4 with a draw. Looked really good, Bostan. Um, you could see that you know he had gears to go through. Um, you know, I don't want to say he's got every punch in the book, but he showed us quite a few of them. And he looked really good. Like I say, it was... Um, Maybe a mild step up in competition, but I always expected him to get the stoppage, and he did get it. Uh, also on the card, Terry Harper. I always expected this to be quite a tough fight because I'm not that impressed with Terry Harper. She's now 14 and one with two draws, a majority draw there over 10 twos against Cecilia Brackhouse. Now 37 and two with a draw. That's the first draw in Brackhouse's career. It was for the WBA World. And WBO World Super Welterweight titles. Um, yeah, you know, <laughs> Brackhouse was much heavier set in there. You know, when the two were in the ring, you could just see Brackhouse was was much bigger, much bigger than Terry Harper. Um, I, I felt though that Terry Harper was beating her to the punch. Brackhouse was a bit slow. Brackhouse was way too patient at times as well. When I felt she needed to be a little bit more, you know, a bit more desperate, if you like. Brackhouse did nick a few rounds here and there. I'm not. I, I'm not entirely sure it should have been a draw. All in all, like I say, I'm not that impressed with Terry. She hasn't been that great in her past two or three fights. She mentioned maybe maybe moving down to 147 or 140. It's probably a good idea for her. But yeah, I wouldn't mind seeing the rematch either. But um, yeah, you know, it, it wasn't the best fight to be honest. I thought it'd be a bit more action packed. And I think Terry Harper probably did enough to nick it, really. But, yeah, it was a close one. I don't think it was as bad as some people think it was. Um, Hopi Price, now 12-0. He was able to TKO in the 12th and final round. Connor Coghill, who's now 14-1. He loses his O. Coghill down once in the 6th, once in the 11th, and twice in round 12. Um, very, very, very good fight, actually, for Hopi Price. He was getting beaten to the punch early on, and he was losing the fight clearly on the cards, I felt, through the first, you know, half of that fight. Um, he just didn't seem to have the answer, actually, for Coghill. But he certainly had more in the fuel tank as the rounds went on, and eventually, like I say, got to Coghill, turned it around very quickly, and I think he'll learn a hell of a lot from that. I think it was it was almost, you know, looking back now in hindsight, the perfect fight for Hopi Price. I think, you know, he had to, like I say, not weather a storm, but come through some difficulties early on. And he comes back and gets a, a very unlikely looking stoppage, you know. He managed to just get to Coghill in the second half of the fight. That's an undefeated fighter there. A hungry fighter. You know, a fighter with a good corner. And a fighter that, you know, it looked like had the fight in the bag early on, man. I was worrying for Hopi Price, but what a fantastic performance and a great way to stop things or to, or to change things in the later part of the fight, get the stoppage. Um, so, yeah, what a win for him. Also on the card as well, another really big shock for me. Um, Kieran Conway now 20-3 and with a draw, a TKO in round six against Linus Udofi. I don't think anyone saw this come in at all. Uh, most people thought Udofia would win. I was one of those people. I thought Udofia would win this fight. I, th I thought he was just too skillful for Kieran Conway. Um, and if Conway was going to win, it was always going to go the distance. You know, Conway's a tough guy. Udofia's a tough guy. udofia uh, has been in there with big punch in Denzel Bentley. Didn't seem troubled by Bentley's power. Lost a close decision to Bentley. That's his only loss. Kieran Conway, like I say, very tough, but just can't punch. Well... 
um, yeah, did not expect this, like I say. For Kieran Conway to win by TKO, the odds would have been absolutely huge. It was for the vacant WBA Intercontinental Middleweight title. Yudofia, in the end, the fight was waved off because his, his, his right eye swole up so bad. But I was really disappointed with Yudofia. I expected much more of him. He just didn't do anything. He pretty much was fighting off the ropes the whole fight. He let Conway have his way with him. Conway looked much bigger as well in the ring. Um... Yeah, Eudofia goes back for me to like English title level. Not not really in a rush to see him again. Um, so so disappointing, man. Honestly, that was his big chance. You know, he got a chance against Bentley. He, he arguably won the fight, and I expected so much more from him here against Conway. Um, yeah, but I'm happy for Conway. You know, I've always said he's he's had a tough career. He's been thrown in there. You know, in, in hard fights, not expected to win. And this was no different from that, really. He got thrown in here, he was expected to lose, and once again, he's upset the odds. So I think, you know, he's he's a tremendous fighter, actually, Kieran Conway. Deserves a lot of, of, of credit, to be honest, with this win here. Brilliant win for him. Very, very happy for him. And the main event, how unbelievable. Um, Lee Wood now 28-3. and three. Josh Warrington now 31 and and um, free with a draw. It was for the WBA featherweight world title. Seventh round TKO win for Lee Wood. Shocking, it really was. Warrington had two, or sorry, one point deducted in round seven for a rabbit punch. And he goes down in that round, of course. Um, Wood was cut over his right eye in round four. Um, wow, where to start with this drama? Um you know, the early part of the fight, both guys were coming out firing. I think you could hear, even though I wasn't there, you could hear through the TV, like the atmosphere was, was just unreal. Um, by round three, that that relentless pressure of Warrington was getting to Wood. You know, Warrington, for me, hurt Wood several times in the third round. And I would even say, I'd, I'd go as far to say Wood was like a deer in the headlights for moments in that third round. It was such an impressive start to the fight from Warrington. Round four was another big round for Warrington. He was starting to boss the fight. And he looked as good as he's ever looked for me. Round five was a better round from Lee Wood. He started to push Warrington back for the first real time in the fight. I wasn't sure he won the round, but it was better from him. Round six, another Warrington round again. So like I say, through the first six rounds, I probably gave everything to Warrington. Um, he was just bossing it, man. He was bossing it. He looked on it. He looked motivated. He won every round. And Lee Wood just was really struggling. He'd been hurt. He'd been cut. Um, Warrington, I think, had hit him in the back of the head a couple times. Ben Davison, you know, um, had had made it clear to the ref in between rounds, you know, keep an eye on the rabbit punching. And I remember tweeting at the end of round six, I put a tweet a, a tweet on Twitter, and I said, and I want to find the tweet just to be sure. Um, to be honest, it's probably going to take too long right now. But basically, I noticed that I looked at the odds in play, and I noticed that Lee Wood was seven to one to win the fight, and um, I thought that was mental that price there, seven to one. And I put here, yes, Josh is known for that fabulous gas tank, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him have a point took off soon. He'll lose that round ten eight, and Wood will have a chance to win. And I pretty much called it because in that seventh round, straight away pretty much he gets a point deducted so it looked like he's going to be on the way to losing that round and then all of a sudden out of nowhere I, I guess he kind of got caught in between throwing his own shots he gets caught by Lee Wood and down he goes he gets back up I've I'm not entirely sure because I've only seen it the, the one time I didn't watch the replay but he gets back up with you know a few seconds left of that 10 count he gets back up about six or something like that um the 10 second clapper had already gone it was it was really it was it was it was mad. But just back to the punch for a moment. Like I say, Lee Wood catches him and he realizes it landed like a dream. He steams into Warrington. Warrington's legs had gone, and his senses were definitely scrambled. Down he goes, and like I say, gets back up. But while he's down, I believe, or yeah, 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 while he's down, the ten second clapper had gone, and he hears the count. He gets back up and he walks back to his corner. Because it's the end of the round, right? Like, you know, he walks back to his corner. The referee has a little look at the back of him, pretty much, as he's walking back and just decides to wave it off. For me, it was a dreadful stoppage on first take. 
But like I said, I didn't watch the replay, but I felt it was a bad, bad, bad stoppage. And hearing from Warrington as well, after the fight, he pretty much said the same thing as what I thought there. You know, he he was like, you know, I, I, I heard the 10-second clapper go. I knew that the round was ending. I got back up at 6 or whatever it was, or 5. Walks, or 8, whatever it was. He, he beats the count. He gets back up, and he walks back to his corner. He had his back to the referee. The referee wasn't looking in his eyes from what I could see. And the referee just looked at his legs and didn't give him that one minute between rounds. I think it was a shocking way for a world title fight to end, especially a world title fight that Warrington was clearly flying away with on the cards, you know? He hadn't been buzzed or hurt prior to that. He gets caught with a shot, goes down, beats the count, and it gets stopped as he's going back to his corner to get a one-minute rest between rounds. I think it was a terrible refereeing error. There's a lot of Lee Wood fans out there that don't seem to care about that. They're celebrating it, whatever. But for me, it was a, was a bad one from the referee. Um, I'd like to see a rematch. I don't know if we're going to get it. We're probably not. But I feel for Josh Warrington. They were trying to press him for a, for, for, you know, for for his next move in the ring. They were saying, "What are you going to do next?" You know, I don't think he's done. Like I say, he had a close fight last time with Luis Alberto Lopez. Lost the majority decision. Gets in here, was beating Lee Wood till Lee Wood finds this, you know, this shot out of nowhere to to turn the fight on its head. And really and truly, it shouldn't have been stopped at that point. I don't think. Who knows what would have happened in the in the coming rounds? No one does know. But. It, was, it, it wasn't really fair. And I think Warrington had one bad night against Maurizio Lara. And we've all kind of thought he was finished. And to be honest, I don't think he's finished at all. I think he's more than capable of beating a hell of a lot of guys in the featherweight division still. So I don't want to see him retire. I think he's still got a lot to offer to the sport. I don't know if he was even contemplating retirement. But they were pushing him for an answer. And he didn't seem to know what he wanted to do. <sighs> I don't know. Anyway, moving on now to the final card to mention. It went down at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas in Las Vegas, Nevada. Again, live on DAZN. Two fights to mention. Um, there were seven fights on this entire card, and three of the seven fights ended in upset. Uh, up in in upsets, you know, the 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 away fighter won the fight in three out of seven of these fights. Most of the time, taking the O away from the you know the home corner fighter. But in the two fights I'm going to mention, there was no upsets at all. We had Bektamir Melikuziev move to 13-1, and won a TKO in round four against Alontez Fox. We had him on last week, friend of the show, Alontez. Sad to see it go like this for him. Um, he's 28-5 and five with a draw now. It was for the WBA Intercontinental Super Middleweight title. Um, I always knew it was going to go a few rounds. I didn't think Melikuziev was going to just get him out in a round or two. But... He did the right thing, Melikuziev. I quite liked his tactics. He didn't overcommit. Um, he went to the body of Fox to slow him down. And, you know, obviously Fox has got a very slender frame. And it's probably a good idea to target that body. And it turned out to be a good idea. He managed to get to him in the end with body shots. I think Fox took a knee in round four, got back up. And then, you know, uh, Melikuziev jumped in, you know, again with the pressure and got the stoppage. But prior to that, Fox did have a few moments here and there. I'm really nitpicking at this. He did have a few moments. He landed some decent shots on Melikuziev, but nothing substantial. It was all Melikuziev, so I'm gutted for Fox. And, you know, I think that's probably one of his last chances at that kind of level. All the best to him. Um, and, yeah, the main event, Gilberto Ramirez now 45-1, and one, a unanimous decision over 10 rounds against Joe Smith Jr., now 28-5. and five. Um, We said it on last week's show, Eddie, that there was a really high over-under. I think it was set at 10.5 rounds, if I'm not mistaken. Um, on the night of the fight, I think it was set at 8.5 rounds. Um, no, I'm getting that completely wrong. No, of course it wasn't. I don't know, maybe, maybe it was actually. Maybe it was originally a 12-rounder, it was at 10.5. It went down to be a 10-rounder, and then it, the over-under was 8.5. Maybe that was what happened. Um, anyway, yeah, we thought that there, there, there's a chance it could end early. You know, both guys can punch. Uh, Joe Smith Jr. has had a tough time outside of the ring. We, we spoke about that last week. But no, it went in the full 10. Both guys, as we knew already, very, very tough. Uh, Ramirez, you know, he boxed quite smart, actually. He had Malik Scott in the corner, which is like a temporary thing. I think his trainer was was uh, busy on the night or whatever. 
So, you know, Malik Scott stepped in for a few weeks of training and had him using his feet. And he actually boxed really well, you know. He, he didn't he didn't take that many big shots off Joe Smith. He did take some, but for the most part, he was, he was trying to work the angles, using his feet, like I say. And it was a different look from Ramirez, from Ramirez and actually quite quite um maybe not so so entertaining but quite smart stuff so i liked i like to see that 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 different side of ramirez's game there which i don't think i've ever really seen before um as for joe smith like i say he was getting picked apart a little bit by ramirez you know falling into traps stuff like that ramirez was bossing it early on but joe smith did come back with a late surge there was times where he won you know rounds in a row and landed some big shots on Ramirez, who, to his credit, took him on the chin quite well. Um, but yeah, it was a good fight, you know. Obviously, Joe Smith was the, you know, the, the underdog for a reason. He's a bit limited. Um, when the pair were boxing, it was Ramirez's fight. But when Joe Smith managed to draw Ramirez into a bit of a dog fight, Joe Smith was having a lot of success. So yeah, all the best to Joe Smith. Like I say, friend of the show. We all love Joe Smith. Now twenty-eight and five. Uh, but yeah, the glory, of course, goes to Gilberto Ramirez, who gets another brilliant scalp for his record. Um, not sure what he ended up weighing in at um, on the night. Who knows? It's anybody's guess. But yeah, good fight. And again, they were saying to Joe Smith, what are you going to do next? What are you going to do next? Once again, I don't think he's going to carry on for that much longer. He didn't seem like he really wants to be boxing you know, at this kind, not not at this level, like this is a low level, but I think he either wants to be world champion or just wants to give it up. And I don't think he's going to have many more fights, but listen, he's always entertained us, Joe Smith, and all the best to him in the future, whether it's going to be in a boxing ring again or not. Great guy, and I'd love to see him again. You can see he's certainly not done. Um, Callum Johnson actually was on Twitter saying I wouldn't mind fighting him at Cruiserweight. That'd still be a, a fight that I'd watch for sure. But yeah, Anyway, that's it though for the review part of the show. Didn't come to Eddie in this part. It's now time to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the former WBO super featherweight champion of the world. It is, of course, the main man himself, Mr. Jamel Herring. Jamel, welcome back on the show, my man. Hi, Always good to speak with you as well. So, Jamel, we co-hosted a podcast together a few weeks back. But the last time we did an interview was back in August 2021. It's been a long time. Uh, we spoke just before the Shakur Stevenson fight. Um, obviously, yeah. as a fan of yours, as a friend of yours, it was a hard fight to watch. Um, you did fight once after that, obviously. The decision lost to Jermaine Ortiz, who, as we say at that time... Uh, the boxing world didn't know very well. Since then, he's gone on to prove he's a very, very good fighter. Um, you made the decision yeah. to retire after that loss to Ortiz. You don't strike me as a guy who makes decisions and then does a U-turn on them. What has made you want to come out of retirement here, Jamel? Um, I, I just I just love the sport, and I missed it for the most part, honestly. I just missed it. Um, I, just, I just feel like I still have some, something left in the tank, obviously, of course, but... I just love the I just love the sport of boxing and I just missed I missed the action, honestly. Jamel, was it maybe a rash decision to retire now looking back? Um, maybe so, maybe so. I mean, like two losses back to back is hard for anyone, honestly, you know. I didn't know like my body was just going through it at the time. I was having like issues with my shoulder, so you you didn't really see much of my jab as much anymore. And it was it was just a lot. It was just a lot going on and I just thought I should need to like, you know, step away. At least, at least for the sake of my body. And I want to ask as well, how pleased or displeased was Jen, your wife, with this decision to continue? Um, of course, she would, she would rather have me um, be, be more at home. But she knows deep down that I, that I missed the sport and I missed the action. So she's actually been very, very, really supportive. But again, she, was, she would have loved if I would have chose a different route. But she knows me as a fighter and my mindset that you know, once I have my mind set on something, she knows I'm going to chase after it for the most part. And I would normally ask what you've been up to during retirement, but obviously we've heard you almost every weekend on Sky Sports <laughs> yeah. calling these top-ranked shows as a commentator. How much do you enjoy that, and does your comeback mean that you won't be commentating as much? Um, 
I, I really enjoyed it. I, I actually learned a lot. I actually commentating, you know, for Sky Sports is definitely the, one, one of the main reasons why I had got that hunger. Because think about it. If you're watching, you know, the action up close every other weekend or so, you you kind of you kind of you kind of get that hunger and you, you just miss you just miss it especially when you have a great reaction from the crowd and everything going on you just you just fall back in love with it all over again but you know for the most part I still tell top rank hey just because I'm boxing again doesn't mean that I don't want to commentate in fact you know I'll, I'll be I'll be back December 9th to commentate I I even asked them to put me on the um Shakur Stevenson show November 17th if there, if there was an opportunity available but they, they um they put Michaela Mayer on for that card. So I'm all, I'm still very much very much involved with commentary and I ask for the dates you know that are available. But at times you know you see as you see they they rotate like you know myself, Michaela, and and, and others and and others out of um the, the lineup with Christina Poncha. Yeah, man, it's been good. Like I say, hearing you. Um, yeah, your comeback fight's been announced for a short while now. You'll be boxing on November seventh in Manhattan against the undefeated thirteen and zero Nicholas Molina. I don't know anything about this guy, Jamel. What do you know about the guy? <laughs> um, obviously a young kid. Most of his, um, if not all, all of his, his um record that for the most part was built was built solely in his backyard. Um, you know, like, of course, box box works developed for everyone, so you, you pretty much point these things out. He, he hasn't really anyone well no one no one at all near as experienced as myself but again sometimes you got to look at these kids and and say that this is maybe their golden opportunity so you you always have to be prepared and expect the best so i just have to i just have to be prepared for the best version of of nicholas molina and jamel do you need to prove something to yourself or to the public here i think i um it's funny i'm glad you asked that because I was just telling myself earlier, listen, I know I can win this fight, but it's all about how I look winning the fight. And with that being said, if I want to prove that I'm still at a world championship elite level in terms of fighting for, um, better competition down the road, I have to I have to go out here and make a splash for people to acknowledge that, okay, yeah, okay, it wasn't a bad idea for him to come back. And, yes, he does have something to prove, something left in the tank. And yes, he can still make those big fights. So yeah, for the most part, it's not so much of something to prove to myself because I know me. I think I still have something to prove to the people who are still kind of skeptical of uh, what's left and w- what will I do. And how do you see the fight playing out? Obviously, you said there, you know, this this guy, you know, he's going to be hungry. He's undefeated. This is his golden ticket, if you like. How do you see the fight playing out, though? Um, honestly, I think I think I'm gonna I'm think I, between you and I, I think I'm gonna hurt the kids. To be honest with you, and that's just that that's because I've, I've been having a great camp. Um, obviously, I'm training with um former world champion Wayne McCullough, who's who's a great trainer. Um, the main aspect I was missing from my from my game, if I'm just being truthful, was always been the defensive aspect. And training with Wayne, I've learned so much in, in the past month or so with just Wayne in terms of defense. We all know we all know I can fight. We all know I, I could be very, I could be offensive when I wanted to, but I, I always had I always had issues at times setting things up because my defense was poor at times and I, and I was missing opportunities because of, you know I, I I didn't catch on things at times. But with Wayne, he he helps you make it a lot easier to get in and out of harm's way and while also um, countering and creating opening shots. So with that being said. Listen, Wayne has a 16 by 16 ring in, in, in his gym, and it's a very, very small ring. I am a boxer, but yet working with Wayne, I've been sparring guys um, 30, 20, 30 pounds heavier than me. I was just um, sparring Liam, Australia's Liam Pyro for the second time this camp and, and others. I'm actually, I'm actually supposed to be sparring Devin Haney sometime next week. So I feel a lot more comfortable with these guys, there's more that's bigger than me. Um, obviously, you know, I have way more experience and, and, and knowledge than, than Nick Molina. So when you put that all into play, you know, you, you feel good about yourself. And especially, I'm holding my own. I'm not. I'm not sore. I'm not getting beat up in the ring. And I'm just. I, I, I'm just a lot sharper and smarter in there. Yeah, you touch on it there. You've trained, or you're, you're now being trained under Wayne McCulloch, former WBC world champion. Um, I was going to ask, how's that going? You pretty much answered that, but how did that come about? Um, you know, you know, my um, my, my good friend and partner Jerry Jerry Casares, 
he he actually knew he actually knows Wayne personally. And at first, we were going to take our kid from Scotland, um, Stephen Nunes Jr., back to Vegas because him, Stephen and Wayne had worked with, worked with each other when Stephen came to the states. And then Jerry thought, JC thought that it would be a great idea for me to give Wayne a, tra- a try as well. And then, you know, I called Wayne, went, we, we spoke over the phone, and we we quickly hit it off. And one thing led to another, and here I am, here I am training on the Wayne McCullough. But we just, we just, the, the chemistry which is, is just great, and we just easily clicked. And every day I go to the gym, like, willing to, like, I'm just anxious to learn more and more. And I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I still make, I still get easily make the weight. So I'm not killing myself to make the weight. Um, you know, I'm sparring I'm, uh, I'm a lot more sharper, taking more chances, but also not also, um, you know, being more slicker in terms of the incoming. And like I said, Wayne, Wayne to me is, is an underrated, is an underrated teacher. And, and it just, it just makes sense right now. And that's your new trainer, your former trainer, Brian Bomack McIntyre just got out of jail here in the UK this week. Do you have an opinion or a reaction to that? Jamel, it was sad to see him go away in the first place, obviously. Oh no, he, he it's funny. He actually reached out to me yesterday. Me, <laughs> me and Bo Mac spoke yesterday. Um, because again, like I said, I love Bo Mac. He's still he's still a family to me. Um, so when it, when it happened, because what happened was when it, when everything happened with the, when the first story first broke out, I immediately texted his phone, of course. But by then, I'm obviously he was already taken into custody. So he probably when he I'm, I'm assuming yesterday when he finally got when he was finally freed, he seen my message. That my concerning message, and he replied back saying, "Hey, hey, hey, I'm, I'm going home, young fella. I'm good." And I was just happy there. But you know, I'm glad he's out. Uh, you know, we all make mistakes. No one's perfect. But I'm, I'm just, I'm just glad that he can return home to his family. And, and again, I, I told him, I told him that I'll, I'll see him in, in the near future. Yeah, good to see him out. Obviously, a genuine mistake. Um, before officially coming out of retirement, you'd called Joe Cordina out on social media. And in typical Jamel Herrim fashion, you called him out in possibly the most politest way in boxing history. Um, Joe Caldina responded <laughs> with interest in that fight. You both now have new opponents, but how likely is it that we'll actually wind up seeing you against Caldina, Jamel? Um, again, I've been telling you, I've been telling you for years, bro, that I I, I want to fight. I want to fight in the UK. I really, I really want to fight in the UK. I haven't fought in the UK since the 2012 Olympic Games, and that was amateur. So again, I I just I just put it out there last weekend or whatever, or after the Wood Warrington fight. I I know I know I know Eddie Hearn wants to make a matchup between um, if Cordina gets past his next opponent, uh, Eddie Vasquez, that he wants to make a matchup between um, Cordina and Wood. Listen, I'm not mad at Joe Cordina. If he wants to make the biggest paydays he can make out there, go ahead and do what you got to do. I'm not going to I'm not going to you know, bash the guy, but at the same time, I'm still open and willing to travel overseas to fight Joe Godina. Hey, even if it comes down to, let's say, um, Josh Warrington wants to move up and wait and, um, you know, and, and fight again at 130, I will gladly take that fight as well over there as well in the UK if, 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 if that's what they want to do. Like, I'm, I'm pretty much open to anything, but I feel good about myself and where I'm at in my career that I'm not like other fighters that that are afraid to travel and, 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 and so forth and so on. Like, I have no issues fighting none of those guys over there in the U.K., and it's nothing disrespectful. I just think you know, so I give them that respect to be like, hey, if I had to come over to your backyard, then so be it. I was willing to come to the, the Belfast before the pandemic to fight Frampton. So it's, it's, it's the same mindset. But, again, um, if, if we don't get Joe Cardina, I, I know Lamont Roach is trying to get the WBA champion with Hector Garcia. Lamont Roach, Lamont Roach has, has expressed, um, and on a podcast that if 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 he some if he somehow you know gets the WBA title he would love to he love he would love to run it back and um you know do a rematch with me because there's already a story there's already a story behind that um, Emmanuel Navarrete he has my old title and I still have a relationship with Tyrank as you pointed out I do I still commentate with Tyrank and my um, new promoter Lou Bella he works with, he works Tyrank very closely so. There are options, but again, Joe Gardena is the number one option for me because again, I want to I want to fight in the UK. But if I can't get Gardena or anyone over there in the UK, I will have to go. You know, I'll go another and then come back around to maybe or Gardena or whoever down the road. Well, there we go. A lot of options on the table. It sounds, and that's good. And obviously, we'd love to have you over here. That'd be a dream come true. Um, 
tell me, Jamel, during your retirement, how often were you working out? Or maybe how bad did your weight get? Um, obviously, you're coming back at the same weight you campaigned at before retirement. That's right. not always the case for fighters that retire. But I do know that you're the only fighter in the world who goes into training camp with an eight-pack <laughs> and comes out with a 14-pack. <laughs> Uh, you know what? I I didn't. I actually didn't blow it up like that. Like I thought I would. Of um, you didn't. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely didn't. I think I think maybe the highest, maybe the highest was probably like one welterweight limit, like the limit, like one forty seven ish. You know, in pound one hundred seven forty seven pounds, maybe. But for the most part, um, I always maintain my weight. I did. You know, I I would work out. You know, every now and then. Like I wasn't working out constantly, of course, but I would when I when I got a chance. I start getting a little that bug back, that itch. I will start working out and training again. So you know, I I would do little things here and there, but I always I always stayed active and to, to do something to keep my weight down. Okay, I I I just thought yeah, throw that little question in. I know you definitely didn't balloon up forty pounds, but just for the yeah. fun of it, um, yeah. So how many packs have you got at the moment, Jamel? Is it eight, nine, ten? I lost count. there we go there we go listen Jamel just before we wrap it up my man if you've got any closing words to the listeners like like I say man you've been on the show so many times I've lost count what's your final closing message hey I just want to say you know it was all great for one it was all great to speak with you man especially about boxing especially about my career um again I'm just excited that this, this fight should be airing on the zone November 7th so look out for that um the zone's picking up the fight and I, I, I just feel great. I woke up. I woke up this morning. I don't know how, but I woke up this morning at 136 pounds, which is crazy. But I tell you right there, I never. The weight will never be the issue with me. So I can. I will easily be back in the super featherweight division. I just need to go in here, and take care of business next month, and then prove that. Listen, I want the bigger fights. I want to fight Cordina. I want to fight whoever's the world champion out there. But I want the bigger fights. I, I want to travel. So I would love to come to the UK. And that's pretty much it. There we go, man. Now, listen, you sound happy, and I'm just really pleased, man. There's a lot of energy. I can sense it, and I'm really excited for the comeback. Listen, Jamel, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you again on the podcast. The listeners have missed you. Best of luck to you with this this next chapter of your career, the comeback, and we'll speak again soon enough. Yes, sir, brother. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here. With this one, um, a card announced by Frank Warren for December the 2nd at the Copper Box Arena in London. We're going to see the card headlined by Hamza Shiraz against Liam Williams for the WBC Silver Middleweight title. Cannot wait to see that one, by the way. I think it's going to be a brilliant fight. Um, You know, Hamza Shiraz is in just insane form, man. Obviously still training under Ricky Funes. Liam Williams, there's been a few question marks, you know, of recent times. He was at one point looking amazing, and I don't think he's really looked the same since losing to Demetrius Andrade. You know, he seems to have slipped a little bit, perhaps. But we're gonna have to see because this is a this is you know by far the biggest test of Shiraz's career. But it's gonna be a great fight, one that you cannot miss. Um, unfortunately, Matchroom Boxing have announced a card to take place the same night. Uh, so again, December the 2nd, it's going to be at the SSE Arena in Belfast. We're going to see Michael Conlon return into the ring against Jordan Gill. Um, on the undercard as well, we're going to see uh, Kivon Agyako get in there with Troy Williamson as well. Uh, we're going to see Tyrone McKenna get in with Lewis Crocker. And Sean McComb get in there with Sam Maxwell. So a few good fights on the undercard there. Um so yeah, it's two cards up against each other, unfortunately. Um, November the 15th, top rank of announced this card here. We're going to see Takuma Inoue getting in there with Jerwin and Cahas for the WBA Bantamweight World title. Um, again, the date for that, November the 15th in Tokyo, Japan. And on the undercard as well, we're going to see Artem Delakian putting his WBA Flyweight World title on the line against... Japanese contender Saigo Akui. So again, the date for that is November the 15th. So a good card there from top rank as well. A few other fights on that undercard as well, but I'm not going to mention just yet. But yeah. Okay, moving on to the preview part of the show. We're going to start here in Germany at the Rudolf Weber Arena in Oberhausen. Over here, 
Three fighters to mention. We're going to see the Cuban, Mike Perez, 28-3 and three with a draw, still fighting. Um, he's in an eight-rounder here at Cruiserweight against Rashad Karimov, who is 36-3. and three. Uh, We're going to see friend of the show, former world champion Austin Trout, 36-5 with a draw in an eight-rounder against Steve Supan, who's 13-2 with a draw. And then two undefeated fighters, I think think it's fair to say, with fairly padded records in the main event. We're going to see Milan Pratt, who's 20-0. He gets in with Slawa Spoma, who's 18-0. That's over 12 rounds there for the WBA Intercontinental and WBO Global Super Welterweight titles. Moving now to Mexico over here. This one goes down at the Polyforum Zamna Marida, Yucatan. Um, we're going to see Miguel Burchell, 38-3. and three. He's back in the ring for the first time since losing to Jeremiah Nakafila. Um, yeah, so coming off two back-to-back stoppage defeats, he gets in with the very tough Diego Alberto Ruiz, who's 24-7 and with a draw, only been stopped one time. Miguel Bachelt to win on points, you can get over 2-1, to one. I think that's decent there. Um, Bachelt obviously seems to no way be the same fighter he used to be. This is a big drop-down in levels, but you know, this guy's tough. I don't think he's going to walk through Ruiz. Um... Also on the card as well, Angel Ayala Lardizabal. He's 16-0, and you know, rated by most as one of the best flyweights in the world. He gets in with Felix Alvarado, 39-3. and One thing we do know about Felix Alvarado is he can certainly crack, and he's got a hell of a lot of knockouts at that weight. 34 KOs from 39 wins. Um... Lardizabal, I think I think he'll have the edge in height. I'm not too sure how tall he is. He's obviously got the edge in youth. And, you know, Alvarado's been around forever. But you can never write him off. He's a really good fighter still. Uh, lost to Sonny Edwards two fights ago. But prior to that was on a crazy streak. Mainly consisting of knockout after knockout after knockout. He's had one fight since losing to Edwards. Come back with a fourth round TKO. And here he goes again. That was just four months ago. All the best to Alvarado. He's a 2-1 to one underdog. I think he's worth a small punt. Moving now to the Manchester Arena. It's going to be live on DAZN. I think it's live on DAZN pay-per-view. Um... I don't know if you want to weigh in on this, Eddie, or not, but it's a six-round contest. I can't believe we're going to to uh, influence a boxing here. But KSI, 1-0 as a pro, he's obviously had a string of fights that haven't been you know, properly sanctioned and they don't count on his record and stuff. But he's 1-0 as a pro. He gets in with Tommy Fury, 9-0. Uh, Tommy Fury coming off that win over Jake Paul. It's the ultimate measuring stick contest KSI hoping he can beat Tommy Fury and therefore in some way be held in higher regard than Tommy uh, than than Jake Paul um yeah I am actually I can't believe I'm saying this but I'm looking forward to this just because I really don't like KSI he's not really done anything wrong but he's 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 just clearly deluded he's been talking about knocking knocking Tommy Fury out I think he's I don't know sometimes I just I just look at what he says and I, I just think there's no way he believes what he's actually saying. But then there's other times where I think I think he actually does believe what he's saying. He's freakishly deluded. But yeah, I'm hoping that Tommy Fury smashes him to bits and kind of, you know, buries this influencer boxing a little bit. And that might sound harsh, but I'm not a fan of influencer boxing and I, I, I'm not mad at Tommy Fury for picking up a nice little bag twice now. I think he, he got paid nicely for the Jake Paul fight. He's going to get another big bag here um, in Manchester, like I say, in his backyard. And, oh my goodness me, I think I think KSI is absolutely dreadful. I think Jake Paul would smash him to pieces. And I think I'm expecting the same thing from Tommy Fury, who admitted that you know he wanted eight rounds, but KSI only wanted six. Anything to say on it, Eddie, or not? <laughs> I can't believe we're talking about it either. But at the same time, I do, <laughs> I do think it draws attention, you know what I mean, to boxing a little more. I mean, it's a little, you know, it's kind of like a shame that it's this kind of boxing that we're focusing on. It's almost like if you look back in the day at Tough Man Contest and say, oh, Tough tough Man Contest is going to get people once again interested in boxing, I would have looked at you and laughed. But, 
I mean, this this is kind of they're trying to make these guys professional fighters. I don't like that they're saying that. I I think that they really need to watch what they say when they come in when they're when they're you know putting these guys in the professional ranks. I think it I think it's okay if they're going to be competing against each other, but when they start pe- competing against fighters like. Once again, I look at this like I give Jake Paul credit. He's actually taking the game seriously. He's he's actually training. He's putting in effort. He's not playing with this sport as some of these other guys seem to be doing. And, you know, though he does seem sometimes a little deluded, not too much in a sense, because he's actually trying to get to that point as where he's a good fighter. Um, but as far as KSI, I don't, <laughs> I don't know about this guy. Yeah, he's, he's 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 talking a little too much for the position he's in. He's had one fight against another guy who's an influencer, and now he thinks he's heavy. You know, he he thinks he's heavyweight champion of the world or something. And it's a little ridiculous, but hey, you know what I mean. Let's uh, let's let let's, let's let him do what he does. Let him cook. <laughs> let him create his big huge buzz, and then let Tommy get him out of there. And then you know he gets another bag, like you said. And, uh, you know, and then we kind of put to bed this uh, connection to the end. Not saying that I, I want to put it to bed to the point where it doesn't have, you know, its place. But, you know, let's put these guys in their place. You know what I mean? Uh, as far as this influence of boxing and, and, and professional boxing is concerned. And, yes, it should still exist, but in its own realm. That's what I believe. Fair point, Eddie. Um and yeah, you're right, you know, he, he thinks he's beaten one guy who was an influencer, and I think that was Logan Paul, and I think that was very controversial as well, the fact that he won the fight, um, and yeah, you know, he even made a quote just this week, he said, I finished camp, and you know, when I'm at the end of camp, I just feel invincible, like, I really genuinely believe I could give a good, you know, a, a good um, account of myself right now against Canelo, Bivol, and Baturbiev, and he's dead serious, and it's just like, oh my god, he went on to say, I'm not stupid enough, like, those guys that, you know, technically, they know how to beat me, but I just thought, like, he just sounds, he just sounds, like, so vulnerable, like, like, he just, you know what I'm saying, like, he's showing, like, as yeah. you guys in America say, he's showing his ass with, with comments like that. <laughs> Yeah, he's showing his ass on his neck. That's the that's the he's gotta be the craziest motherfucker. He ain't listen. There are heavyweights out there that are professional fighters that couldn't even beat those guys. Let alone a dude like you who's you don't have a resume, son. <laughs> you don't even belong in the ring with any of the guys you mentioned. You don't even belong in the ring with their sparring partners. You said you said you don't belong in the ring with their sparring partners, sparring partners. You understand what I'm saying? But it's just, you know, some of these guys. And you know what? Great, great. Give them, give them the platform. They're they're famous. They'll make other fighters who who deserve to be famous more famous, and that's great. But there's no way way on earth if he gets in there with better BF, he he better have his his his, his documents in order for his family because he's going to get murdered seriously. And yeah. um, the other guys are going to murder him too. But I mean, that's Erbiev. <laughs> Lord, he's not getting (laughs) the first round. Yeah, of course he's not. I don't think he gets through a round with either of those guys. Um, Yeah. Anyway, moving on to the final two cars to mention. This one goes down at the Fort Bend Community Center in Rosenberg, Texas, USA. It's going to be live on ESPN and ESPN Plus, um, Sky Sports over here. It's a good card, actually. Couple good fights to mention. We're going to start with this one though. I like watching this guy all the time. Richard Torres Jr., 6-0, 6 KOs. Um, He's been into round three once. He's been into round two once. And the other four KOs were all in the first round. He gets in with quite an experienced fighter, Terrell Anthony uh, Herndon, who's 21-4 from San Antonio, Texas. So it's kind of going down in his backyard, if you like. Um... He's in decent form. He's coming off of one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine wins in a row. The last three were all by KO. Um, but yeah, you know, you look back through his record, he's been stopped in a round by a guy who was two, four, and two. He got stopped in a round by Effie Jagba back in twenty in twenty seventeen on Effie Jagba's debut. And his other two losses, round three loss to a guy who was four and one with a draw, and he got DQ'd in his other loss. Um, but yeah, the guys he's beaten, man, like, 
I'm, I'm saying he's in a, he's on a bit of a run, but he's beating guys. Honestly, one guy he beat was Norton twenty. Uh, you know, he, he got that guy out of there in four rounds. But honestly, the guy's obviously not on Richard Torres's level, and it's going to be another probably brutal knockout for Torres. Um, but yeah, he's always fun to watch, and he always tries to go in there and get people out in a round. Um, also on the card as well, the son of uh, Raul Marquez, Giovanni Marquez, six and zero in a six rounder here against Dante Strayhorn, who's twelve and four with a draw. Um, quite a durable guy. Um, I like the way they're moving Giovanni Marquez. He's only had a few fights, but I think that, you know, he's, he's the goods, actually. And I think he's going to probably follow in his father's footsteps, uh, which is a big statement, actually. But I think he's a really talent, talented fighter. Did a lot as an amateur and very excited to see the rest of his pro career unfold. It's been exciting already. Also on the card as well, the Italian heavyweight Guido Vianello, these days based in Las Vegas. He's 10-1 and one with a draw. Nine KOs. Um, I think we found out he's not particularly fantastic. Um, you know, he got, got TKO'd himself in his last fight against Jonathan Rice. He's back here against Curtis Harper, who we all remember walked out the ring against Effie Jagba that time. Um, Curtis Harper, 14 and 9. We all remember as well, if, if you've been watching boxing for quite a long time. Um, what was it? It was back in... 2015, so eight and a half years ago, where he, he he gave a good account of himself against Chris Ariola. I mean, where's the time gone, man? That that does not seem that long ago. But anyway, that was eight and a half years ago. Um, yeah, so he gets in with Guido Vianello here. He's coming off two back to back back to back stoppage defeats, but they were two good fighters. One of them was Bakadir Jalalov. Um, I'm expecting a few rounds here, to be honest with you. I don't think we're going to see. You know, Vianello take him out in one or two rounds. I'm expecting it to probably at least go four rounds or something. Like I say, it's an eight-rounder. Um, he's quite experienced, I think. Um, Harper, I think he, you know, he'll, he'll be moving quite well. But yeah, you'd have to side with Vianello to probably stop him towards the later part of the fight, I would say. Um, what else do we have? Keyshawn Davis, going to be good to see him out again. 9-0, and looking for win number 10. He gets in with Nahir Albright, who's 16-2. and um, He's he's from Philly, lives in Sickleville, uh, New Jersey. Um, two losses on his record that I mentioned there, both on points, so never been stopped. He lost his debut on a majority decision over four rounds. Can't read into that too much. But he lost to Jermaine Ortiz on points um, back in February of last year. Since then, though, a couple decent wins in a row. Beat Estevan Falcao and beat Carlos Balderas last time, both by decision. But this is a big step up here against Keyshawn Davis. I'd say Keyshawn probably wins this fight on points. He's been late in all three of his last three. Um, went 10 rounds last time with Patera, didn't stop him. Went 9 rounds with Anthony Yidjit, got the stoppage. And 8 rounds with the teak tough Juan Carlos Borgos. So yeah, he's in with another tough guy. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see a late stoppage or a points win. I don't think he's going to get him out early or anything like that, Keyshawn Davis. I think no one would expect this to end early. And the main event, um, I think it's going to be quite interesting, to be honest with you. We're going to see here for the IBF and WBO middleweight titles. Um, it's a unification, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, Janibek Alim Kanuli gets in with Vincenzo Gaultieri, 21-0 with a draw. Uh, Alim Kanuli, 14-0. Um, yeah, for me, Gaultieri, you know, last time out looked absolutely brilliant he managed to spring a big upset at home in germany against esquiva falcao who was 30 and oh he took his oh he had him down in round two had him down in round 10 and you know he won the vacant ibf world middleweight title that night and become a little bit of a star overnight if you like because he was a guy who i don't think many people were kind of too high on you know he was just a guy coming through I wouldn't say he had a padded record, but he was coming through quite slowly. You know, I don't think anyone saw him as a real threat to any of the, you know, any of the belts at middleweight. But the way he beat Falcao was very, very impressive. And he gets in with Alim Kanuli, who, you know, at times has looked like a bit of a killer. But then in other times, like particularly against Denzel Bentley, didn't look all that at all. Um, I am, I'm expecting this fight to go long. 
but Gaultieri, I don't think should be written off, but he's been massively written off it by you know by by the bookies, and I I don't think that that's fair. I mean, he's like a. Let me double check this now. I think Gaultieri is. I mean, I think he's definitely worth a little punt, and just to be sure, I've just double checked. He's a seven to one underdog. That is just crazy to me. I think he's much better than that. Um, but yeah, should be a good one in the main event there and. The final card to mention actually goes down on Sunday, October 15th, at the Gold Coast Convention Centre in Queensland, Australia. It's going to be live on Showtime. Um, we're going to see Sam Goodman on the undercard, 15-0 in a 12-rounder at featherweight against friend of the show, Miguel Flores, 25-4 and with a draw. Uh, and the main event, Tim Sue, Eddie, 23-0. is for the WBO World Super Welterweight title. He gets in with Brian Mendoza, 22-2, who... Um, yeah, you will remember knocking out um, Sebastian Fundora last time out, knocking out Jason Rosario to fight before that. Um, so yeah, this could be a good one in Australia, but they're expecting Tim Sue to win this fight quite easily. But I think it's a dangerous fight. Agreed. <clears throat> I think he should win it pretty comfortably, but it's just like when Sebastian Fundora was fighting this guy, I mean... He was in control, <clears throat> dominating the fight pretty much. Uh, and all of a sudden, boom, big shot came. <laughs> now to, you know, think about, you know, Sebastian Fundora. I mean, he was, he has that kind of style though, like where he's a little bit sometimes too involved. He's six foot six, fighting 154 pounds. Why would you be that involved? Especially if you're winning like that when a guy's only chance to beat you is by catching you and knocking you out. But I mean, hey, look. You know, that's how he's gotten his fame. That's his style. There's, You know, you win some, you lose some based on that. You know what I mean? You live by the three in basketball, they say. You die by the three. So, and, and that's uh, that's kind of the thing that he, de- he deals with. He's always like, he could put you out of there, but he also, also, you know, obviously now can get knocked out. But anyway, Mendoza is not a terrible fighter. It's just he, he seems to be kind of like, I don't know if it starts slow. I don't even know if that's the issue, you know, with him. I just think he he was like, he's just, maybe he's not busy enough. He waits too much. Maybe looks for one shot a little bit too much, which I, you know, I can understand that sometime, you know, you know, you, you had success. You've knocked guys out and you just feel, Hey, you know, let me look for my, you know, my best opportunity to win, which is, you know, knocking another guy out. But the problem with that is you're going to get behind on the cards and not every, you're not going to be able to knock everybody out, especially in dramatic fashion. So in my opinion, uh, that's, that's a horrible way to try to, try to approach fights. So if he thinks he's going to be able to do something like that here with this kid, Tim zoo, I think he's sorely mistaken. And, um, he's going to have to figure out a plan <clears throat> because Tim zoo is, uh, he's, he's, he guy, he's got the goods, you know what I mean? He has, <clears throat> he has the ability to compete at, obviously at a high level for a title. And I know they were trying to think they were trying to set that, uh, Charlo fight up, but, um, uh, yeah, um, it's the kid's fighting that he's keeps fighting the uphill battle. I don't think he's going to come out on the other side. I think, to be honest, I think Tim Zoo's going to end up winning the you know winning the fight. Uh, but he definitely it is a dangerous fight. He definitely better keep those hands up, especially as the fight starts to get you know to the stages where everything slows down and you get a little bit into your groove. Because sometimes you can fall asleep and get caught, and that's exactly what's happened to the last two guys he's fighting. He's fought well. That's, I'm going to say Sebastian Fondor. So, yeah, interesting fight. Actually, I'm kind of looking forward to that myself. Uh, but I think Tim Zhu's going to come out the winner for sure. Yeah, no doubt in Tim Zhu's boxing skills. I think he's a phenomenal talent. Um, obviously, they've moved him, you know, very well through, through a, a really good, you know, uh, level of fighters, obviously, beating Terrell Goulchet, but it was close on points there. He was dropped himself in round one, of course, uh, knocking out Tony Harrison in what was a close fight up until the stoppage. He, obliter- he obliterated Carlos Ocampo last time out, but, you know, I don't read into that too much. And, um, I mean, it was a good win, of course, but yeah, gets in with Brian Mendoza, who we know is going to be there late on. Very tough guy, never been stopped himself. He carries power late on as well. I think it's going to be a tough fight for Tim Sue, and I'm expecting rounds again. There's a few fights this weekend I can see going late. You know, so um, Tim Sue to win on points, I think, is 
also potentially worth a little punt. Um, you can just over triple your money on that one there. But they're expecting the knockout, which, you know, could happen. But like I say, I think, if anything, it will happen late on. Tim Su for the KO uh, in rounds 6 or 7 to 12, you can more than double your money on there. I don't think he's going to get him out in the first 6, that's for sure. But anyway, all the best there to Tim Su. Um, but yeah, that wraps up the preview part of the show. In part one, we did the review part. Then we welcomed our special guest. In part two, we did the news. We just wrapped up the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 417 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge shout-out to this week's special guest, the former WBO Super Featherweight World Champion, Mr. Jamel Herring. Great to have him back on. All the best to him November 7th in Manhattan. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Thanks once again for tuning in. Just before we wrap things up, I just want to give a special shout-out, a special thank you to a company called Somerset Signing and Framing Co., um, basically they deal in sporting memorabilia they have a facebook page which is very much worth checking out they kind of auction off bits of memorabilia and stuff and not only that like i say everything comes in fantastic frames um, but yeah really professional company and well worth a follow if you've got facebook which everyone seems to have so give them a little a little follow or you know get on their page have a little look that is somerset signing and framing co But anyway, that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you same time next week.